The down and dirty is I was a 22 year firefighter paramedic, uh, got into it right out of high school, loved it, was having a great career. Uh, about 2012 ish, I started having kids and the paycheck just wasn't, wasn't enough anymore. And so I found myself, uh, the, the kind of the year where it all came to a head was, uh, I did on a thousand hours of overtime that year. So I was at the firehouse for six months out of 12 day and night gone. And it just didn't work anymore. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, Threefold listeners. I hope you're having a great week. We've got a return guest uh, with us today. Seth Peagle is joining us from Columbus, Ohio. Had Seth on before. Uh, great guy. Uh, was a fireman um, and you know, a real estate hustler on the side. Uh, last time I talked to him, now he's, he is a retired uh, fireman and full-time real estate investor. So anxious to catch up with him. A little bit about him real quick, and then we'll bring him in. He's the CEO of Stream Group and co-founder of the Firehouse Bros. He and his team have overseen uh, over 185 million uh, in assets under, or that, that's how much they have under management right now. His team's vertically integrated, uh, which means he does his own property management. Very interested to talk to him about that today. Uh, this makes things interesting as they try to expand, grow, and manage all aspects of the business. So I uh, can't wait to get in all, into all that. Uh, Seth, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me back on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So Seth, in case people didn't catch your first episode and they don't want to go back and listen to it, I, I highly recommend it. But um, why don't you just give us like the real quick, how did you get into real estate? And then maybe even kind of zip through um, how you got to where you are today, where you're doing it full time. The down and dirty is I was a 22 year firefighter paramedic, uh, got into it right out of high school, did some college and and did that. Uh, got in, loved it, was having a great career. Uh, about 2012-ish, I started having kids and the paycheck just wasn't wasn't enough anymore. And so I found myself, uh, the, the kind of the year where it all came to a head was, uh, I did on a thousand hours of overtime that year. So I was at the firehouse for six months out of 12 day and night gone. And it just didn't work anymore with a baby. And I was just, I really wasn't, I really wasn't happy. I mean, I loved the job, but I wasn't happy doing the job that much. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I really didn't have any other options for income. I really didn't know what to do. And I, you know, thankfully connected with a guy that I, when I was in college, we were roommates and he was, I went to the fire service. He went to real estate. Uh, he, when I reconnected through either MySpace or Facebook or whatever it was back then, yeah. uh, he was a multimillionaire doing house flipping, hard money lending, uh, wholesaling. He was running a meetup group in Pensacola, Florida, and was, uh, like selling it. He, you know, he's doing like an education course kind of before it was like a, a, a thing yeah. on how he built efficiencies in flipping houses. And so I, like reached out to him and we connected and I'm like, man, what happened? Like, how did you go from the guy that you, that I knew to this guy? And yeah. so he, he, you know, he gave me three steps to take, which was, well, the first one was read the book, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. I'd never heard of it. I read it. It was like unplugging from the matrix. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, I gotta, this is it. Yeah. And then he told me to go to a local, re- you know, I got to find a local meetup and I got to find a mentor. And I did those three things, worked for a gentleman for about a year, a uh, year and a year and a half doing project management on his flips and managing his portfolio uh, of rentals, which was about 20, 22, uh, single family and some duplexes. And what I realized through all of that was that I didn't want to flip houses because it was another job. And I saw him yep. 
you know, break even or lose money. You know, he'd make money on one, but then lose them on another or break even on the third. And just the amount of time and the logistics and all the things it took to do that, I just thought, man, this is not what I want because I thought real estate would be a side hustle. And the firefighting would continue to be my main path of career and, and income. And it was like, it was another job and I didn't want to do that. Right. So yep. at, during all of that, I, I started, I was started hearing more people like on bigger pockets and some of these podcasts that were, you know, not necessarily multifamily podcasts, but when they would come on, they were talking about how they always had success with like four units and six units and 10 units and like finding as many, you know, building where you can put as many doors underneath one roof as you can, because mm-hmm. you only had one roof to, to worry about or one location or one, you know, and everything just became more efficient and the layouts were very similar and, and how you could just expand your purchasing power and you could buy a lot of the yep. same material and all of that stuff. I'm like, man, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially when I'm trying to maintain a career and do this. Yeah. And uh, so that led me to, you know, learning, right. I put together some kind of rudimentary buying criteria. I started hustling and going to real estate offices around my uh, immediate location because there's no, like, I didn't even know what to call like a big broker or how would you even do that back then? Yep. Yep. And just bootstrapped it, put together like a word document, you know, kind of like a, resume of like, Hey, here's what I want. I'm looking to buy, took it to these different real estate offices and said, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. It was probably about a month later. I had a realtor call me and she said, Hey, I've got a long time client. He's got, you know, a bunch of uh, rentals. One of them is this 50 unit that he's looking to sell. Would you be interested? And, you know, not knowing what I didn't know and being as gung ho as I was, I thought, sure, <laughs> let's do it. Right. I mean, you show me the deal if it makes sense. And again, I did rudimentary underwriting, you know, I like rudimentary cap rates. I looked at rent rentometer and said, Hey, this is telling me the rent should be like 750 and this guy is showing 550 like there's upside let's go yep. and uh so i put it in contract went to a uh investor in that meetup that i had built a relationship with and said hey you know let's do this together um i took a, a heloc out of my home that was the only money that i had i had no I didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank so we took out some equity from our house uh put it together with his equity you know that he had in his rentals he did a cash out refi um and then week before closing the uh, loan was not going to close because the bank went from 20% down to 25% down. I'm like, well, now what am I going to do? So I yeah. called my mentor. Here's my problem. He said, call this guy's private money lender. I bet you he'll give you the cash. And that's what exactly what happened. So we nice. raised 75,000 bucks the week before Man, we that closed. network, that network was so oh, important. It's uh, huge. And that's yeah. one of the big things that I talk about even yeah. nowadays, but that was how we closed it. I mean, yeah. again, fast forward, I learned a ton about a 20 different times that deal could have went sideways and wrong. Uh, but it didn't 14 months later, we did a cash out refi netted about a million dollars, which was huge. And it just showed me that, Hey, this is, this is it. Like, this is what I just made. Like my part of that was like four or five years of working in the firehouse in one transaction. And I thought, let's do this again. So we took our money, rolled it into another, uh, deal and started working on that one. And it was around that time that I thought, you know, I, I, this could like really become something where I don't need to be a fireman anymore. I could do this full time. And so that's kind of where the idea was kind of birthed in my mind that someday or some point I would probably exit the fire service. And I got around some other guys that had already left the fire service that were real estate investors doing multifamily and commercial Uh, real estate and seeing their successes and the fear of like, like, you know, what's life like after you leave, you know, kind of like when you get out of the military, you know, like you're, what do you do? You know, you're kind of, you're kind of, you know, in a fish in a out of water. With, yeah, you're yeah. in a ship with no paddles. You're like, what? Well, yeah. I don't know. So, you know, being around them really gave me some confidence. And, uh, and then, you know, I went from there to we started syndicating. Uh, we started doing, you know, I met Tim Shaw, which is my one of my, the, the executive partners in, in uh, the stream group. 
And he's also a firefighter. And the two of us together were like, if we come together and we do this, we could really pour gasoline on this fire that we were each independently doing well. But if we want to 10x our growth and, and 10x what we're doing, we could do it together. And that's what we started doing. And we did a couple deals uh, together after, you know, immediately after that. And then we met up with another uh, another guy, Tim Walkie, who's a partner in our group. So there's three of us. Um, and together, it's just been, it's been crazy. So we have yeah, now we're awesome. 1,700 yeah. doors between the three of us, 185 million. Uh, we've got another 15 million we'll close on by the, probably the middle of January. And then we've got a land development deal. I'm sure we'll talk about that'll be, it's going to be about an $80 million build out. So wow. a lot of stuff, wow. a lot of growth. Yeah. Yeah. So, so t- remind me, what year? What year did you close on that fifty unit? Uh, I want to say it was like 14, 15, 14. somewhere okay. there. Okay. Yeah, okay. somewhere. Yeah, it, was, it was like I said, because I, I, the idea popped in my head, and then, it, like I said, it took me a couple of years of learning and kind of, yep, of working and working through it, because I yeah. just knew if I was going to do a deal, like it had to be successful. Because if I did it wrong, it was. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be, be your one chance, and then you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. No, and I, I think, yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Um. Now, and then you, when did you end up uh, leaving the, the fire department? Um, I did not leave until this year. Okay. This year. So eight Crazy. years. Yeah. I just think that's important Seth, because real estate got so hot. So many people thought, well, you know, real estate is now this get rich quick scheme and I can go do this and, and blow it up and, and leave and, and be a millionaire. And it's really not how it works. It, it, it's more commonly like when, when you do it right, when you do it well, when you do it to the, in a way that it's, it could last is it's, it does take eight years. It takes time. But that's one great thing about real estate is you can do it on the side, especially if you leverage other people. And if you network and, you know, you do multifamily, you have rentals, you use a property management company, or you have people help you with that. You can do it on the side, but keeping that job kind of helps you bankroll that to some degree. Um, and you can kind of build it up. And then, you know, once you do, then, I mean, it can change your life. Absolutely. Like it, like it did for you and your family, Seth, but it just, it does take time. I mean, you really worked really hard at that for, for eight oh yeah years. i mean there was there was well, i mean that first deal i would go to the firehouse for 24 hours and i'd get off and i'd go straight to the property and i would work for i mean i do 12 hour days and there was a lot yeah. of sweat equity that i did because i knew how to do drywall and and install windows and do flooring and then, you know in, in the beginning that's what i was doing i was down yep. there with the contractors doing the work because i didn't have i didn't i didn't go go in capitalize enough to be able to hire yeah. all of it out so I was down there or my stepdad would come down and the two of us would be down there grinding it out, doing the work. That's it just, it is what it is. I mean, and yep. that's where I'm all for burning the boats, but man, you got to have a plan, especially if you got a family, yeah. you got kids, you know, you need yep. insurance or whatever. Like, I, you know, if I had an eight to five job, I probably wouldn't have been able to do what I did. Right. You would have, there had been a, I'd have come to a head a lot faster of like, it's going to be real estate or it's going to be working, you know, yep. but having the ability to work 24 hours, then have two days off that really, you know, I mean, I'm working 10 days a month. So that opened up my time. And then there were days when we had a big project going on that first deal where I would take vacation and I would burn my time to, so that way I'd spend three weeks down there working, you know what I mean? Or two yeah. weeks down there working and whatever. Yeah. So again, my schedule, you know, it, it's not for everybody. My schedule really helped, uh, I think accelerate what we could do and, and what I could do, but yeah. Uh, and mine did too. I mean, I had to work most days, um, as a home health physical therapist, but I, I go back to that, uh, Seth, because today, uh, since COVID more and more people are working from home and have the flexibility. So it may lend to, you know, being able to get into real estate as on the side. Um, but so today your, your business is very different. You're not, um, swinging a hammer, you know, as often, uh, you're more, you know, high level and, and, and running a company and you've got people doing that. Um, I know you ended up bringing a lot of your, a lot of your property management in house. Tell us a little bit about what the reasoning behind that was, you know, what was the genesis of that? And then how's it going today? 
Yeah. So we, I don't know, we've got probably, I mean, just under 700 doors here in central Ohio now, and that's mm -hmm. primarily what we manage um, got because everything else is kind of, I mean, the, the Tim Watke's in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we've got he's got stuff out there. We've got kind of a presence with him in some of those deals, got and it. so he he does his own stuff out there, vertically integrated. That you know, but me particularly, like in our team that's here in Ohio, there's 23 people that work for us. We do the man, the property management, we do the construction management, we do the construction, um, and the reason we, that we did it was because we continue to have problems with property management companies that didn't align with our interests or. Uh, weren't executing the business plan successfully. Right. And, you know, as we talked kind of before the call, the property managers are not like they're brought in. Usually they're brought in at the end. There's even in times if you bring them in early in the process, when you're like doing your due diligence and you have somebody walk through there with you, it, they can say whatever they want to, but execution has always been a struggle for most property management companies, whether it's they manage well, but they're terrible at construction management, or they maybe they manage mm -hmm. construction well, but they're not very good at property management, or maybe they're just not motivated, right? If you're, if you bring them 50 units, but they're managing a thousand and somebody has 300 with them, they're going to take that phone call first. They're going to go to yep. that guy's property first. They're going to, you know, you're kind of like the, the smaller fish in the pond. And, and that was just really hard to, you know, put this whole deal together, go to investors and say, here's the prep, here's what we're going to do all these, here's the rents, and then have absolutely no control over the timelines and right. rent seasonalities and planning those things out. And like, how do we get from, you know, $400 or well, I should say four five, we'll say $500 a month in rent to 800. Well, they don't want to push it that as fast as we would want to. And I think executing that plan was, was, we, we continue to find resistance from the companies. A lot of them wanted you to sign the, the, management agreement and then you're done like like some of them we, we worked with here in central Ohio, like you can't tell them what the rents are going to be they're going to they're going to set the rents mm, they're going to set yeah. all these different yeah. things and, and it just doesn't work when you're making promises to people that are putting their money in so we bought a property you know i hadn't really ever thought about doing it then we bought a 180 unit property came with a couple of folks in the management office and then some maintenance guys and uh tim shaw and i thought well hey this is let's start a property management company like along, along with this right that sounds great and and it has been good. It's been, it's given us the ability to have things dialed in. We've yeah. taken on more properties that we, that we already had with other people. Um, but with that comes now you're an employer, you got to deal with benefits, yep. you got to deal with vacation, you got to deal with those things. And for a long time, you know, we were, like we kind of said earlier, you know, it's like when you're, when you're, I felt like when you're a kid, my dad, you know, if they we go to the pool and he's like, Hey, you're going to learn to swim today. And he just throws you in <laughs> and you're, you got to figure out, I mean, eventually you'll figure it out. Right. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's kind of how it's felt when we started the management company was because we didn't have a good mentor. If I could go back and change it, I would have mm. hired a property management mentor that could have said, Hey, here, do these 10 things first, like to get off on the right foot, because that was part of our problem is we, you know, I, I wouldn't say we didn't get off on the right foot, but we just didn't know what we didn't know. And we've discovered some of those things along the way and we're, we're much better now, but man, it was a, it was a, a big headache there for a while of doing it yeah. and, and then bringing in the right you folks. You move faster and, and let, probably a few less headaches, a few less time stubbing your toe. Yeah. I think we could, you know, and they, they, yeah, bringing in the right people, bringing in the yeah. right professional. Like we've hired an asset manager now that he's the buffer between us and the staff and, and helps oversee things. You know, he's got 25 years experience. He's built and sold two property management companies. He was the COO of a very large real estate firm in Florida. Like, he knows more than I do about what it takes to run a property yeah, and run it well right. and run a portfolio. That's and great. and that's the thing is that our investors love that, right? I mean, I, I'm good at what I do and I can't be good at everything. Yep. So let's bring in somebody that's proven that they're very, very good at that. And we'll pay them good. We'll do everything that we need to do to, to maintain that. But 
it makes my time more available to find more deals, to build relationships, to kind of oversee from the, you know, the 10,000 foot view, which is really what we need to kind of have to see all the moving pieces and parts. Yeah. So Seth, if, if you were uh, coaching somebody today, would you tell them to get to a certain unit count before they start trying to bring stuff in house? Or would you tell them, no, like, you know, manage your own quad and then, you know, get another quad and you're managing a couple quads. And, and obviously, you know, you would just do it yourself for those first few, and then you start adding pieces. So do you go ahead and start it in-house or do you maybe get to a certain unit count and then start bringing it in? I mean, it's tough because if you, I always tell people that I feel like they should manage their own rentals at some point, right? So you really understand what it takes to manage them because it's not easy. And it, and it's yeah. not, I mean, it's like the worst part of owning real estate. Like I love the the depreciation and the appreciation and the yeah. cash flow and all those great things. Yep. But then buying and with, selling is a lot of fun. Yeah. But then actually dealing with the, the day-to-day nuances yeah. is, is the, the hard part. And I mean, you're going to grind it out. I mean, if you're buying a four unit, you know, unless you have great tenants that, you know, never have, never bother you, you know, maybe it's your experience would be easy, but I would say most people, one, when they get started, they can't afford a property manager because, you know, nowadays it's, I think it's probably non-existent, but even if you're using the 1% rule on a rental and you're trying to get the, you know, you're making a couple hundred dollars in rent. I mean, if you're paying a property manager, you're not cash flowing at all, but Right. To that, I would say that I would rather pay a property manager early on and that frees you up then to, to buy more stuff, to find yeah, more deals. Right. And if you can, right. you know, you can do 10 units or 20 units and not, you know, not necessarily man, you know, get some experience or be kind of hands-on with the management company, but you know, it'll, it would free you up to get bigger. And then at some point, you know, I don't know, it's probably different for everybody is when can you afford to pay somebody like a salary? Cause that's the hard part, right? Is if you're, right. if you're making yep. cash flow and you're, but you've got a W2 and you're like, man, I'm, I'm building this rental portfolio so I can leave my W2. Well, it's no, no different than any other like new business starting is if you start drawing a salary from that, those rentals now, because you can only pay one person. And if that one person is you, you're going to be the one doing the work. Yep. So that's mm-hmm. why for yes. me, yeah. Right. It, you know, it, it, even when I bought that first 50 unit, I didn't feel that I could handle managing it for leasing and, and tenant yeah. feelings oh, right. as well as the construction. So I chose the construction because I knew I knew that better. And I let a third party company do it for the first year. And, and I worked closely with them, but you know, that was the, that was the only way that I could see it to be successful. So yeah. and I think it's a cash flow management. You know, what are your expectations? If you're in a job that you hate and you want to get out of it as quick as you can, you're going to have to leave to manage the, you know what I mean? Like that's the job mm-hmm. that you're going to leave mm-hmm. one job and go to the other job. The other job is managing your rentals. Your job. Yeah. But as you no, scale, you know, I would say to that though, too, is getting a mentor, you know, getting somebody, the the right mentor, but getting somebody that's been there or has the experience yeah, that can 100%. help you move faster through the, that period. You know what I mean? I feel like you, yep. you just got to kind of punch through that as fast as you can. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, Seth, um, mentorship, coaching, uh, tell us a little bit about the firehouse bros. What, what, what are you guys doing over there? Who, who's, who's that group right for? Um, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we started the firehouse bros, Tim and I did probably a year ago and it was just, you know, we kept having people reach out to us and be like, man, how did you guys do it? Or what, you know, they're yeah. asking a lot of questions sure. or whatever. And for us, you know, our time, I don't have time to, to take 20 lunches a week or 20 coffees a week or do whatever. So we thought, look, let's, let's, let's set up a one channel for us to be able to help people but it's we're going to talk to the masses at that point. So like, hey, if you're interested and you want to learn how we do this and, and you want to jump in with with us, great. Here's the avenue that you do that. I, I don't I don't take lunches. I don't take coffees. I don't take those kinds of 
things anymore because I just don't have time for it. So if you want to learn, you know, if you want the inside stuff or you want to do deals with us or you want to learn kind of like the the inside track of what we do and how we do it, or you want help, that's the avenue that we offer to do it. But it, it's it's really for anybody that wants to scale, you know, anybody that wants to get into multifamily, yeah. like, you know, it's funny, I read a post the other night that somebody put on that they said 90% of the uh, people out there that are educating are, are basically full of it. And I don't know if that's an accurate number or not. I know there's a lot of people out there that have made a business out of it. And rather, you know, they make more money doing the education stuff than they actually do on the rentals. You know, that's not... It, it, it's like I get stuck I know in a hard place. Guys. You know what I mean? Because I, well, I the thing is, is that like, how do you how do you not identify as that, right? I mean, I and all I can say is is for us, you know, we're in the trenches doing it. Right. We're you know, and and that's the thing I think of people if they want education is what's the meat and potatoes of what you're talking about. If we're just talking about mindset, and we're talking about puffing up and making you feel good and all yeah. that stuff. Like that doesn't that doesn't get it done at the end of the day. I mean, so I love all that stuff and it's great and there's a time for it. But you know, if you're struggling to grow your portfolio. Uh, that's not the room to be in. Or if you're struggling to get a loan, you know, you're like, man, I've, I've kind of hit this this ceiling in my business or the ceiling in my portfolio and I need help. That's not necessarily the room to be in, right? I mean, at least in my experience, it's not been the room. So we try to create a room where we can give people practical advice, practical ways of doing things and, and stuff that we've learned along the way. I mean, we provide people a job description. We provide people with tons of HR stuff. We provide nice. people with... Yeah. Anything that they would need. Like if you came to me and said, Hey, we want to, we want to, you know, here's our portfolio in Dayton and we want to build out our own management company. We can give you all the tools that we've paid tens of thousands of dollars to, to get. We can give it, we'll give it to you throughout, through being in our group, you know, and that's mm -hmm. to us. It's like, how do we really change people's lives or change the trajectory of what they're doing? That's what I wish I would have had when I got into my first deal, you know, or the lessons that we've learned in, in, in our growth. That's yep. what we try to, to teach people or to help people and, yep. and give them real uh, like ways to execute. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, the, just talking about the meat and potatoes, Seth, because unfortunately, I feel like a, a big part of coaching is often like just how to get the deal. And um, frankly, that's not that hard. All you have to do is offer more than anybody else is willing to offer yeah. and you're going to get the deal, right? And then and then you got to you know actually raise the money if, if, if that's part of it. Um and, you know, that was actually pretty easy for a, for a while. It, it's much harder today. Um, I would say a lot of equity is really dried up and a lot of people are scared, but um, that was easy for a long time. But that is not how you make money buying real estate. It's not you make money when you buy. No, it's you make money when you operate it well, because if you operate well, you'll cash flow, which is the most important thing, because that's the most guaranteed thing or the thing that you can control. You can't uh, uh, control appreciation as much, but you can control the cash flow if you operate well. So that's the most important thing. But then if you operate well, then you are going to force appreciation. Um, and, and that's how you can really grow wealth. But it all comes down to operating well. And I know it's what you guys do, Seth. So I, I love the group. I would uh, suggest people go take it out, check it out. Uh, real quick, Seth, what, what's, where's the best place to find you guys and, and what you're doing there at Firehouse Pros? Uh, they, if they're wanting Firehouse Bros, they can go to uh, thefirehousebros.com and they can check okay. it out. through. And then we, just your website in general while we're talking about it? Uh, the stream groups, the stream, plural, group, yep. the stream groups okay. com. Yep. And yeah, we'll, we'll have that in the show notes. So guys check those two things out. What do you see in there in Columbus? Columbus was an, I mean, is, was, is an incredibly hot market, you know, at least for the, for the Midwest. I mean, yeah. Columbus just seemed like on a, on a, a level of its own, as far as the Midwest goes, um, still hot. I know it's, I know it's really slowed down. Um, I know, you know, compared to kind of the pace you guys were going at in your purchases, I know you guys have slowed down. I'm guessing, you know, you guys are conservative underwriters. A lot of people want to say that. I know that you are said interest rates are, are in the sixes now. I mean, I know they're 7% on 30, 30 year mortgages, but we're seeing in the sixes for commercial loans. 
it's hard to buy stuff, right? So like, what are you guys seeing? What, what are you, what are you thinking for this year? What, what's, what's been different? What's going on? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, so we'll talk about Columbus specifically, but we've, we've, we're still doing deals. I mean, we've got two that we're working on right now. One of them is a loan assumption. So I think that's something that's okay. super important. I mean, like yes. creativity in how you're buying or executing is super important. And, yeah, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, in, in that instance, uh, again, broker relationships are very big. The deal got brought to us and said, Hey, you know, these people are, are looking at selling. They don't want to go to market. Would you, you know, I know you guys would probably be interested in this. They think, you know, that they're an out of state group. That's the only thing they have. They're not really, you know, feel like they're executing it well, but they've got a, a, a seven year term left on their loan at 3.85%. And I'm nice. like, uh, yeah, that sounds like a winnable loan assumption right there. Cause it's funny. Cause a year or two ago, loan assumptions were the problem because the yeah. rates were five and a half percent, but new debt was three. Yep. And now it's like anything that was, was locked in three years ago, two, three years ago, it's like that debt is, has value to it now. And well, so that and like was, you say, now it's now you need to get creative a year ago. Why would you get creative? Just go to any bank and get, yeah, three, yep. three and a half percent. There's no reason to get creative, but today totally different. I mean, you, you absolutely need to get creative. Yeah. So that That's one, awesome. that one's working because of the, the loan and then the, um, the fact that we can manage it in house. So I think that, you know, being strategic on those, on all of those things are good. And then, uh, we've got a big industrial space that has some self storage tagged along with it that we're, that we're doing. Wow. And, and, uh, you know, the big thing was, is like, we went to the seller and, you know, he's a local guy that I kind of had a relationship with, but well, I, I should say this, our kids go to school together. I knew him, but I didn't know that he owned it. Right. When, and it got brought oh, to cool. me by again, another, a friend of like a mutual friend. And he's like, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I didn't know who the seller was. Well, then when I met him, I'm like, well, why didn't you say it was this guy? And so as we talked, I'm like, what, you know, I'm trying to find out what, why are you selling? And he, he's got another investment that he wants to, he wants to liquidate this so he can get into a different investment. And I'm like, well, what, what do you need to get out of this in order for that deal, to, that to make sense? And, you know, we were able to come to an agreement on a price, but he's going to do seller carry back at 15%. So, you know, the, the deals in the mid five millions, but he's going to carry back over 800,000 for three years, 3%. I mean, that makes the deal work, right? I'll yep. give you your price, yep. but you give it to me in my terms. Give us our terms. Yep. And that's yep. kind of what we've been, we, you know, like that deal works because of that. And then, and there's a ton of room for additional expansion for, you know, a value add uh, development it. piece of it. Yeah. And that's, like I said, so for us in three years, when we, when we would refi or we would do something to get him paid back, not only will we be able to pay him back, but we'll have several million dollars worth of, of added equity because we're going to do, you know, a huge construction build out. And, you know, again, I, would I do that in other parts of the country? Maybe not, but in Columbus with, in the surrounding tertiary and secondary markets where everything is still crazy and is only going to continue to get crunched and get crazy because of what Intel's doing here and, and some of the other things that are coming. Right. Yep. It yep. makes sense. Even yep. developing the development we're going to yeah, do. I mean, I, I don't know that I would develop anywhere else in the country right now. I'd probably be a little nervous, but oh, with yeah. the shortage of apartments and homes and everything else that we're already having, plus all of the shortages that are going to be added on top of that with what's coming, if you can pencil it into today's market, it will work 10 times better in two years if the rates go back down to where they're at or, you know, or even Good for us, even if, Yes. You know, even if we buy the land and we sit on it for a year, I mean, let's sit it out, see what happens in, you know, in Washington, let's see what, what, you know, plays out. We're not under the gun to have to break ground, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. the thing is yep. a lot of people that we've talked with that are developers, they got into it, you know, they did maybe phase one last year or two years ago, and now they were going to start doing phase two, but now phase two doesn't make sense because the, all the climate of the financial market and the interest rates and everything else, like it doesn't pencil anymore. 
Yeah. And so that's the thing for us. Like if it pencils in today's market with the rates, it's only going to be better in a year and a half or two years if the rates are back in the fives or, you know, wherever they end up paying yeah. out. But I think right. right now we're even our bridge debt that we have, we've got three projects that have bridge debt on them, but our bridge debt's at six and a half percent. So we're not refinancing. We went to the investors. We're like, look, it makes zero sense to spend a hundred grand on a refi to, yeah, we might get you your money back up, but now we're locked into that rate. And yeah. I think that they'll continue to go up some, but they're going to, they're going to come back down. And, right. and that's, I, you know, I we agree. want the, the agility, I guess, to be able to maneuver yeah. rather than lock well, in and. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good stuff. Seth. I mean, what I hear is like, you know, this is the type of market now you got to be creative because it's not as easy as just, man, go to any bank and get three, you know, three and a half percent interest and, 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 and raise the money and go. Now it's time to be creative. If you can talk to the seller, you know, and, and you can do things like seller carry or seller finance or, you know, find out why they're selling and, and make it a win-win. That's important. And then either be patient. I think that's great for a lot of people or just have the ability to be patient. If you get into something, can you, can you hold it for a while? You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, if you have a good interest rate, can you hold that? So the ability to be patient is very important in an environment like this. So um, what I like to ask here at the end, Seth, as, as we wrap up here, um, what you've done, I mean, you, you know, you, you started at square one and, and you've built this, this great business. Um, you know, you've been able to uh, get into it full time. What would you say uh, is the one thing, the one key ingredient that you need to be a successful real estate investor? Maybe specifically, if you want to get into multifamily. Hmm. That's, a good, <laughs> that's a good question. I think you need to think outside the box, but I, I, mm. but I think you need to be teachable. You know, I mean, I think that yeah. there's so many lessons to learn, um, you know, and I would prefer to learn. I would prefer to not learn them the hard way. Yeah. So I'm, I rely heavily on our network. I rely heavily on strategic partnerships it. and yep. I don't, I'm not afraid to ask for help or I ask, say, Hey, you know, I'm, we're, here's the situation or the bottleneck or the issue. What, what have you, have you ever had this happen before? And if you have, what did you do? You know, and I would rather learn from other people's mistakes, uh, than make them my own, you know, and learn that way. So that's, I think yeah. that's, you know, oh, so good. Yeah. that's probably uh, the biggest thing I would say. Right. Right. And then, um, Seth, just a little bit on, on, uh, your family and your life now, like, um, I always like to ask that kind of that same question. What's the key ingredient to maintaining your priorities? So while trying to have success in real estate investing, so what have you done? What, what is, what is, how has your life changed a little bit, but what do you do? Um, uh, because yeah, you don't have the, the job, now, but I, I know how busy you are. Uh, with real estate. And when you're an entrepreneur, when you're building a business, I mean, you, you never clock out, you, you get to work, you know, there's always stuff that you could work around the clock if you wanted to, whereas, you know, the fire department eventually sends you home. Um, you know, so what's that been like? And, and yeah, what, what are you doing to maintain your priorities? Seth? Um, I think, you know, I try to, and again, I'm not perfect at it, but I try to time block. I try to say, yeah. Hey, from, you know, I'm, I'm, in the morning and from this time to this time I'm working out or I'm, I'm reading or doing whatever. And then I, from this time to this time I'm doing these, and I try to focus on those things solely when I'm doing it. Um, and then, you know, just being present when I am there again, my wife might say I'm terrible at it, but you know, I really try to like going to my kids sporting events. Like I miss so much stuff when I was at the firehouse all the time that like now I, I, I love going, you know, or, mm -hmm. or being mm -hmm. there, like taking them to school, you know, like, mm -hmm. yes, there's meetings I could get on. There's emails I need to respond to. There's people I need to get in touch with, but I like to be able to just, you know, I get up, I'll put it this way. I get up earlier in the day to get ahead. So that way when my kids get up and I, you know, I can spend time with them before school and I can, you know, I don't take them every day, but I can take them to school. Yep. I enjoy that because I never got to do it uh, beforehand. So, you know, yeah, I love it's little things like that. And then, and, you know, just making sure that you have for me, time set aside for family, right? We, we do, yep. um, we're going to, we're taking the kids to New York city 
at the beginning of December to go see all the oh, Christmas cool. stuff and do it, you yeah. know, just do cool stuff for them. Because to me, it's like all this hard work you do and all the, the stress you have and all the different things that you do. Like if you don't, if you don't stop and take time out for what you love and what makes you kind of like re-energizes you, then it, it really like, you're just, I'm no better off than I was 10 years ago or eight years ago when I was yeah. working a thousand hours of overtime. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah. The time blocking can be really helpful. It's hard to do. I know I struggle with too, but then, man, you know, being present when you are with them, um, it, it's really important, uh, hard to do, but good stuff. Hey, so you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, any other um, good books that you've read recently? Any good book recommendations? Oh, uh, I mean, some that I've read, I don't know if I would say recently, I'm reading one called, um, I think it's called on fire. I mean, I don't know if it's a, it's a pretty good one, but I, I would say the one I would put it this way. So besides rich dad, poor dad, I know probably people have always said it is, um, who not how by Dan Sullivan's always a yeah. big one that I tell people because yeah. it just, it just opened my, it opened my eyes from being a blue collar guy that like, I feel like I had to work the hardest by doing the work. And then it really yep. kind of helped me let go. Um, and then atomic habits, those are probably two. Okay, I know they're cool. kind of, yeah. They're kind of like nothing new, but yep. if you've never heard of those, those are two, I think that really helped me in the beginning, um, change yeah. my mindset. And it's and still good. It just pushes you in that direction. Well, he said, this has been really good, man. Uh, we'll put all the links in the show notes. I, you know, you guys have been killing it there in Columbus, uh, really good operators, which I respect because, um, like I said, to, to me, it's great to, to buy and, and, and sell. And when the market just goes up, you know, it's really pretty easy to do pretty well in real estate, but I, I think the tide's turning a little bit and you're really going to have to operate well. Uh, and I think you guys are doing that. Um, and, and now you're, you know, helping teach others. So I love that because, um, that's the number one thing to me, you, you, have got to operate well. And, and we use third party management. So when I tell people, I'm like, you've got to find an awesome uh, property manager, but if you do it yourself and you learn from guys like you Seth, then, then you just have to learn it well and do it really well. So before I let you go, Seth, I always like to ask my guests, how might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say that, you know, just that I continue to have wisdom and make good decisions. You know, like we got a lot on the line, a lot of money on the line, a lot of other people's money on the line, you know, and, and uh, yep. we're always looking for wisdom. We're always looking for discernment and some of the deals yeah. that we're getting into. And, yeah, you know, sometimes we'd walk away just because of a gut feeling, you know, and sometimes yep. I think that that's, you never, maybe you really never know why, but uh, some of the best deals that I've, I've, done are the ones i walked away from so yeah might you know, be the continuing just to have those things yeah. yeah 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 it's good stuff absolutely we'll be praying for that for you seth you and your team cool absolutely. man well hey Thank thanks you. so much for being on man this has been really helpful uh learned a lot man you know good luck to you guys keep, keep going uh we'll talk to you soon absolutely thanks thank you for joining us for another great episode I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, 1 Timothy 6.17.